0: time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast.
1: We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists.
0: We're professional coaches, and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite.
1: We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs.
0: Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes.
1: We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. Alright, welcome back. I'm Cody Waite.
0: Hey there, I'm Kathy Waite.
1: And we're your hosts of the Weight Endurance Podcast, fueled by TheFeed.com. TheFeed.com is an online endurance sports nutrition superstore. And if you're a podcast listener, you've probably done this already, but use the special link in the show notes to go to TheFeed.com, sign up with your email, create an account, and TheFeed.com will put a $20 credit right into your account so you can start shopping right away Yeah,
0: that's lots of fun they were generous like that with our redevelopment development writers i know the kids have been just loving shopping online and getting mm-hmm. some free stuff along the way and a bunch of them just like did another huge order to get ready for nationals week up here in winter park so yeah. they're just awesome and we love the feed
1: yeah absolutely it's a great great company we were getting all our drinks and bars and gels and everything um all season for yeah. training and racing. And so, we've been featuring so
0: product, products each week that we do the podcast. So what did we try this week?
1: So we've been trying, actually for several years, one of our, probably my favorite bar, mm-hmm. hands down, Enduro Bites. How do you, what's your opinion? Oh, I love
0: them. Yeah, I also love that they're a local Colorado company. and. Mm-hmm. The guy who Brian, Brian. Yeah. he's, gosh, he's been at like races for years that we've been at in his tent, you know, chopping up the bars with toothpicks, trying them and they're delicious. Yeah.
1: yeah it was truly like a grassroots company. Mm-hmm. And now I think they're very, very well established in the endurance sports nutrition, yeah. um, you know, field. And I, I think they stand out above the rest for me for a couple of reasons. One, I do enjoy the, the taste and texture. But they, they're a fig-based bar, so if you're not a huge fan of figs, you may or may not care for them, but they are fig-based. What I like about the fig base is they're very dense and com- compact, so they fit in your jersey really well and they don't break apart. That's yeah. a big one for me. And then the other thing is they use really good ingredients. There's no processed vegetable oil. They use coconut oil, which is somewhat unusual in the energy bar market. Um, and then just the ingredient list itself is pretty short and simple. You know, they mm-hmm. have four flavors. I think they've nailed every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say enough about it. No, them. you
0: love them. And I think, they, practically, they work well on rides because the package opens yes. quite easily. Yeah, And you just slip out one of the two square shaped chunks and mm-hmm. you can just eat one at the time and throw it back in your pocket and grab the other one out if you need it.
1: That's a great point. But it's like
0: handy and practical, which I love. Yeah. Um, and like you said, the flavor is really great.
1: Yeah. So check them out. We'll put a, a link in the show notes for a 10% off code mm-hmm. at thefeed.com specifically for Enduro, Enduro Bites. So you can go check them out. Um, give them a try yourself. Um, cool. Well, we're on to episode 79 of the podcast. This episode we're going to talk specifically about race prep workouts being that it is getting close to if you're not already there to tapering like your big event is right around the corner um, when you know you've been maybe training all spring all summer building up fitness and with what we typically prescribe is about two weeks to go before your big event is when you want to start tapering and we're going to talk specifically about how to do that in this... Why in this and segment. how. Why and how to do
0: that. Yeah. yeah. And we are both sort of doing that right now. Are you, are you actually tapering since you are... Even though you're going to race nationals, you're going to be racing Leadville? Would you call this a taper?
1: It's like a, a, a mini taper.
0: You're doing a mini taper. It's kind of...
1: The whole season for me has been sort of discombobulated. But yeah, yeah it's, it's essentially a mini taper um, for cross-country mountain bike national championships, which is next week mm-hmm. in Winter Park, Colorado. And then it's like three weeks. I think after that is Leadville. Okay. Yeah.
0: But I would be in a true taper. You're like in a mini taper,
1: right? Because I did uh, a really probably one of the biggest rides of my summer two days ago. Right. Which would be how many? It was only like a week before the nationals race. Yeah. Right. You wouldn't normally do a you know five hour six hour ride a week out from your. A cross country That race. makes sense. So, okay.
0: Well, we'll get more in the nitty gritty yeah. when we get in there. But I just it just dawned on me, like, wait, are you actually tapering? <laughs>
1: um,
0: okay. But what have we been up to, Cody? Wait.
1: Uh, well, we've been getting some training in, mm-hmm. and we actually got to race. We both raced the Led- the Lifetime Series uh, Leadville Silver Rush 50. So it's a big 50 miler in Leadville, not on the Leadville course. It's kind of like the other side of town, different kind of mountains. Arguably harder, like steeper, rockier terrain than, mm-hmm. than Leadville. Um, but it is a Leadville qualifier. And to cut to the chase, I did qualify for Leadville, which was great. And um, you got a lottery slot, but yes, declined but it. Yes, I will be
0: not do it Because <laughs> Leadville's
1: not really your jam. But back to the race. Well, I'm not I mean,
0: sure Silver Rush is my jam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you had a tough day. Up. Well, 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 we all had a tough here's day. Here's what's funny.
0: Is I, this was the second time tackling this race the Mm -hmm. first time we both did it no the first time I did it was in 2018 okay so I went back into training peaks and I pulled it up just number one like give myself an idea of how long I'd be out there I'm really glad I looked because I thought I had done the race in four hours and 46 minutes back Mm -hmm. in 2018 right it was 521 okay so I would have been like beating myself up on the course if I had not double checked yeah Okay, so then I looked at my notes of the race, and it said, I really like this course, exclamation point.
1: Mm, okay, so you had a good race in 2018.
0: <laughs> I did. I was second overall. I remember Julie Dibbins, who's, um, gosh, she's amazing. I don't know if she still even races anymore, but she had years and years of like a very successful professional triathlon career. Mm-hmm. Um, she beat me by 35 minutes, which on paper sounds terrible, but I was thrilled with it. I was like, I got second to Julie Dib- Dibbins. Whoop, yeah. whoop. <laughs> Um, and I went into Silver Rush knowing I was underprepared for the volume, like the duration of the race. Right. Both of us. Yeah. Like, I'm not even sure I'm prepared for nationals. It's like, (laughs) like you mentioned, it's been kind of a cattywampus season of training for us, but I knew it was very obvious that doing a five plus hour race was not really what I'd prepared for. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, I went into it thinking, I like the course. Well, I didn't really feel that way while I was doing the race, but just had to sort of struggle through. I did not remember so many hike a bike sections. Yeah. Did you? Steep. Did you? I mean, I remember like one. There were like four for there, me.
1: Yeah. I remember having to walk up a few of the hills. It's oh very. Oh, my gosh. Because it's this combination of steepness and then loose, like very rubbly loose. rocks. Yeah. Attraction is really difficult. So I th- I'm pretty sure every single person walks at okay. least one. So you and places.
0: Jack and the guys in the front group yeah. were walking some of them at least? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I was definitely walking multiple times.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just thought it was hard. I mean, the elevation obviously is a challenge because you, you start at 10,000, you go up to about 12. 12 right? and a half or yeah.
1: something like
0: that, yeah. Um, the views are incredible, but there's very little oxygen up there. I felt like the temperature was higher than I remembered it. Like, just standing at the start line, the don't you intense. remember how we yeah. were, like, hot? And, I, and true, I feel yeah. like... Last time we did it, we were still kind of chilly that yeah. at the start line. And mm-hmm. no, I was already roasting when they were singing the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I just really struggled. It was hard. Um, I was in third at the turnaround with a girl right behind me. I tried. I really did rally and try to hold her off. I saw her in her red jersey coming for me. And she, she got me good, and she deserved it. Um, <laughs> and then I got passed again uh with bike, maybe 40 minutes to go, which is a little bit of a soul crusher, but I held on to fifth overall and did not hurt myself,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I was pretty trashed afterwards. Like I was dehydrated, even though I had attempted to stay hydrated. I fueled perfectly, but I just wasn't in great enough shape to yeah. like hold on to third. Um, but I just really struggled the rest of the day with dehydration and I cried myself to sleep because I couldn't get rid of my headache. <laughs>
1: Yeah, when you that get That makes dehydrated. everyone want
0: to do this race. I mean, it is a cool race, but I just wasn't prepared for it.
1: Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a tough race. And
0: you got fifth overall. Which I got fifth
1: overall. A little bit more amazing well.
0: in the, with a the male group. Like, you guys had about 20 times more than we did in our female group. Yeah. But, so, I good mean, job. It's,
1: it's a good, good race. I mean, I did, showed up with the fitness I had. Um, rode a good steady race. Um, I... Could definitely feel the lack of fitness in the sense that I couldn't really push like above my aerobic threshold for very long, so it was just kind of like this steady effort. Um, there was no like extra effort, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know if that even really makes sense, but um, but it was good. I mean, I can't complain. I showed up with what I had and executed the best I could and came away with uh winning the 40 plus age group, so that got me the coin for Leadville, so qualified. That was the main goal, and then um, finished fifth overall. And then a big shout out to our coached athlete Jack Odrin who won the whole thing.
0: Oh, that was the, my favorite part of the whole day.
1: Yeah, that was really cool. We I rode with him for, rode with him in quotes, kind of dangling off the back of him for a <laughs> while, and then yeah, he steadily like pulled away, and then. Um, ended up beating me, but what was it like, thirteen or fifteen minutes? Oh, I never or something. It was something I, significant. Like he really crushed it. He
0: so. had one of those amazing days, and um, wow, it was incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. So hats off to to Jack. So he obviously got his Leadville coin. Yep. That's his big goal of the season, coming up as well. So um, so yeah, a lot of work ahead in the few weeks that we have going into Leadville, and then it'll be time to taper. And that's kind of the main topic of the the show today. Um, all right, so if you've been, if it's summertime like it is now, likely you've been training. Fitness is high. Uh, prior to to tapering, the goal is to get your fitness as high as you can get it, mm-hmm. right? With big fitness comes also a lot of fatigue,
0: right? So you might be tired.
1: So yeah, you likely are are tired, and then also if you're into training peaks in the performance management chart your TSB, which is training stress balance, which indicates like your readiness for a peak performance or or readiness to perform, is probably hindered quite Mm -hmm. low in in the negatives. That's the one um, number on the chart that can go into the negatives. And so that's likely the case. So the more you train, the fitter you get, but the more tired you get and Mm -hmm. the further away from a peak performance you likely get. Mm -hmm. And that's where the taper comes in with the main goal of shedding that fatigue and bringing up the freshness and the ability to have a peak performance while, and this is the tricky part, minimizing the loss in fitness. There will be some loss. You just have to accept that. You'll Mm -hmm. lose some fitness while you're tapering, meaning your CTL number will come down. But if you do the taper correctly, you minimize how much the fitness comes down while maximizing how much that TSB, training stress balance, that freshness comes up. Mm -hmm. And that's really the ultimate goal in tapering. Um, And we'll kind of share how to do that. Yeah, and I'll
0: I'll pipe in here for a second. Thinking about tapering, I know it brings up a lot of um, emotions for people. Like we've seen our our young riders on the We Development team struggle with not being on their bike as much as they taper for a big race. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I felt the same way then sometimes I've really embraced it. Like I am tired. I'm, I'm just kind of tired of doing a workout every day. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, not just like physically tired, but like mentally drained from like gear up for it, pack all my stuff, like go suffer in the heat or whatever it is. So all I'm saying is like, let's try to embrace it as like a really important part of the big picture. Like maybe it's just what you need that you need to like rest your mind and you you do need to rest your body even mm-hmm. if you like you're feeling strong like it the goal is to get you to race day feeling like so pumped and charged and ready right. to tackle that course
1: yeah exactly and if your training plan is you know well designed and you put that effort into those final two or three or four weeks of really building the fitness mm-hmm. high then you can definitely accept the taper two weeks mm-hmm. that tapering as part of the plan and get to the point where like that final week, hopefully if done right is like a super challenge and a stretch for you to even kind of get through. And like I said, you're, you should be very tired at the end of that. If that all happens, then it's like you, like you said, you can look forward to that mm-hmm, taper mm-hmm. And, and knowing like, okay, I've got one more big week of training. You know, this is maybe three weeks out. Let's buckle down. Let's do this. It's going to be tough because I know come Monday, I'm going to start my taper, and things are going to back off significantly. Right, right. And then you can really like breathe that sigh of relief of like that the training is done, the hay is in the barn, as I like to say. That's what I tell <laughs> the, our weed development writers. Um, and that work is done, and now you can like you know decompress and enjoy the lighter workouts rather than like stress about right. oh I'm not training enough, I'm losing right. fitness, uh, you know, I'm freaking out. So,
0: so um, how would you define tapering in a nutshell?
1: Um, okay, so. Tapering is anywhere between one and three weeks, depending on how much you've been training, how long your event is, how much fatigue you need to shed. You know how how much time you need to bring that training stress balance up. We have found that two weeks is kind of like just about perfect in most scenarios. Okay. You may need a little more, and maybe sometimes a little less. Um, of decreasing both your training load. And then also reducing your training intensity. Okay. You're always going to maintain some training intensity. That would be the difference of if you instead of tapering, if you took a rest week or a recovery week, perhaps, where you drop training low, training volume, and also training intensity. And what happens with that is you do get rested, and if you did that instead of tapering, your training stress balance would go up like your freshness and that fatigue would come down. But likely when you take a handful of days really easy and a few days off, you come out of that feeling a little flat
0: or a little, little sluggish. Yeah.
1: A little yeah. stale, you know, not really ready to go hard and race. You mm-hmm. know, you need a couple of workouts getting going again to kind of find your legs and feel good again. That That's a common scenario.
0: Yeah. When I was growing up, I was a runner and I didn't have a coach that had a lot of knowledge of how to do this the in the best way mm-hmm. and as we went towards a big meet it was just rest 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 like i don't remember any sort of sharpening workouts or yeah. you know bits of intensity so working with you over the past 10 years has been such like a mind shift for me and i still sometimes go are you sure we should do this i, I mean i say that in my head mm-hmm. and i'll say it out loud to you because growing up we just rested before track meets or cross-country meets right right but you know i do know it's important and. um yeah, but it's just so interesting how like what, what you were used to doesn't always coincide with what the best way is.
1: Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and it's kind of like having trust in the the process too, because mm-hmm. it, it can be counterintuitive on both ends. You know, oh, I'm doing not enough or resting too much. Oh, I'm going to lose my fitness. I'm going to be slow come race day. Or oh, you want me to do these you know intervals you know the, the day before my race? Well. Yeah, we do quote intervals, but those have a—they're very short. They have a very specific purpose of priming you and uh, opening up your legs and your lungs and your cardiovascular system to race
0: and reminding your brain that this is what you're going to do the next day. Great
1: point. Yeah, yeah.
0: And don't be afraid of the pain. You will feel these these painful moments tomorrow, but you can do it.
1: Right. Exactly. So, how do we taper? Um, I mean, there's been a lot of scientific studies on this. we have found over years of coaching, kind of what work, seems to work really well for the majority of people is decreasing, you want to decrease your training load, so that's your volume and your intensity, um, progressively across your taper period. And In most cases for for us, is about two-week time period. So you want to lower that volume, so the hours, minutes, and hours a week that you spend on your bike. You want to maintain your intensity however in smaller amounts a lower volume of intensity so the reduced training volume and training intensity equals a reduced training load and you want to do that somewhat progressively you don't want to just like stop altogether Mm -hmm. and drop off significantly but you have to drop off and decrease enough to have that restful effect Um, and that's where that balance kind of comes in so a longer buildup of Training and fitness for longer events may require a little bit longer taper. Shorter builds or shorter events may require a, a little shorter taper. But like we've said already, two weeks tends to work really well for a lot of athletes in, in most endurance cycling events. Um, and then lowering volume, just to put put some numbers out there uh, out there for you, you know, roughly week one of the taper. So this would be two weeks out from your race. You might drop your your load by about forty percent compared to your previous week or two, like biggest weeks. Um, and then the second week of the taper, so this would be race week. You're going to drop that load even further, maybe another twenty or thirty percent more.
0: Mm, okay. Um, yeah, that makes than sense. Than the
1: first week of the taper. So basically, doing less as you get closer to the race.
0: And I would even say that that the the week that is two weeks out from your big event mm-hmm. if on paper like on your training peaks calendar it's built out to be forty percent less, but you're feeling kind of tired, you can always reduce yeah, it some good more. Point. Good point. Because everybody's different and we've like oh had some really good conversations with kids in the team who are um starting to arrive from out of out of the state you know, from mm-hmm. all over the country and they some of them have been fortunate enough to come to Colorado for altitude um adjustment, you know, much earlier and, and we were learning that some of them like need more rest than others and like they've learned that about themselves already at age seventeen, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. So you could have this perfect thing on, on your training piece calendar, but just always listen to your body and it's like you're feeling super sluggish or super tired one day uh, it's always better to err on the side of doing a little bit less so for you sure. can get that freshness for your race.
1: Right. And really avoid the temptation of like, oh, I feel pretty good. I should oh, do yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. more. <laughs> don't, definitely yeah, do not no, do more. There's
0: no flip side to the coin. Like, yeah. Don't do more, but you can do less.
1: Right. No, that, that is definitely good, uh, good advice for sure. All right, so how do we do our taper. Mm -hmm. Uh, We use the terminology race prep workouts, and these are typically three, sometimes four workouts over the span of the two weeks leading up to your A-race of very specific intervals. Um, Again, just like we said, decreasing in total ride time, volume, but also the amount of the intensity or intervals within the workout as well. But again, it's really critical to keep some intensity in there to... "Quote unquote, sharpen the sword, um, so your legs don't go flat, and then mm-hmm. you know think of it as like you're preparing to go to battle. Let's sharpen the sword and um, get ready to do that. So, um, in our training progressions, if you've listened to our podcast or trained with us, you can, you know we like to train by energy systems, and we assign specific power durations to those energy systems. So we keep the same thing going in the race prep workouts. So the intervals we prescribe will be." X number of minutes or seconds at your various energy system power demands that you've been training throughout your whole training build. But instead of doing relatively large amounts like you would in a training buildup to create the stress required to adapt and get fitter, you're going to do very small. Um, the most you'd ever do is about half of what you might do in a workout, you know, weeks prior. And as we get Closer and closer to the race, it's going to get way down to, like, one-eighth or so of what you would actually be doing in a, versus a workout. Um, so it drops down quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, in our race prep, we address each energy system in the same workout, just at that reduced level of volume. So an example is in training, if we're training our 32-minute power, which would align with the upper end of our anaerobic threshold. Mm -hmm. um, And we talked about this, I think, in our last podcast as a key workout in those final uh, weeks of training, is that 4 by 8 work interval session, 4 by 8 at your 32-minute power. So it's a tough anaerobic threshold kind of interval. In our race prep workout, you'll train the same 32-minute power but the intervals, instead of being eight minutes long, is they'll be they'll be four minutes mm-hmm. long, okay? So half of what you would normally do. And early on in the taper, you might do as many, possibly, as four. So four times four minutes. So again, that's about half of what you would do in training at the highest level, four by eight minutes. And then as the workouts progress through the taper we'll have you do three times four minutes at 32 minute power. And then a few days later, maybe two times four minutes at 32 minute power. And then the day before the race, one times four minute mm-hmm. at 32 minute power. And we'll also include some other energy system targets in there as well. It's not like you just do the one interval. But that's just an example of how we break it up and decrease that load uh, as we go across that taper. Does that so that sense? We,
0: yeah, well, it makes sense to me, but just to okay. reiterate, reiterate in a different way, our typical pattern for prescribing workouts would be you are holding a power target for like a fourth of what your max would be. So for that energy. For that energy system. system yeah. Like you were talking about 32 minute power. We are not going to go hold one by 32 minutes. Right. That would be a max effort, save that energy and emotional commitment to a race. Right. So in a in a, in a workout, we would divide by four, like you said, but... We divide it by eight. So instead of a dividing by four, we divide by eight for the right. race prep workouts, which I love because it's like easy math and it's like the same pattern we've always done. So you don't have to memorize new numbers. Like I know right. what my thirty-two minute power is. I have it in my head. I know what my sixteen minute power is. My eight minute power. My four minute. Like everyone is smart enough to like remember that. Mm-hmm. And then you just hold it for much less time. Yeah, and it's just kind of simple and sweet and. You definitely feel like you're putting some good power out, but Mm -hmm. it's not that painful because it's so much shorter than you have traditionally been training. Yeah,
1: relative to what you've been training, yeah, it's quite a bit lower. And in fact, and we have to tell our riders this all the time, these race prep workouts, as you're doing the intervals, you're going to feel like, and you can, do a lot more power. Because like four minutes of what you could do for 32 minutes Mm -hmm. is not that hard, right? No, no. So, but that's in, that's the whole beauty of it. It's that's the point. That's the intention, yeah. exactly. And you'll do, you know, maybe as many as four of those, and it'll decrease across as you get closer and closer to your race. So the idea is, like, you have to hit the power target and stay on it. Mm-hmm. Don't go above it, because you are going to feel better and better and better as you go through the tapering process. And you're going to want to just, like, crush that four-minute effort. But that's not the point. It's
0: not the point. Save that for the race.
1: Exactly. Right? It's just to target that energy system. Kind of prime the pump, so to speak, mm-hmm. and get you feeling good, and you know your power's there. And then, but you're not doing so much to stress yourself out, because in training, right, right. we want to do enough to apply stress to make ourselves tired. Tapering, we're not trying to make ourselves tired. You're anymore. not
0: going to get fitter by next week. You're
1: not going to get any fitter, exactly. You
0: could just make yourself more tired. Exactly. And that, that is such an argument for having a power meter if you can afford to mm-hmm. be training one with one. One of line. the big benefits. Oh, it's yeah. a huge benefit because. Well, uh, two days ago, I was doing the four-by workout, and it was hot, and I was out there. And even with it being that hot, like, the first 15 seconds of my four-minute interval, I looked down, and I'm like, oh, crap, I'm doing way too much. And, you know, immediately I adjusted it yeah. because it feels so easy at first. Mm-hmm. So a power meter is an incredibly helpful tool For sure. to make sure you don't do more than would be, uh, you know, warranted or exactly. uh, or optimal.
1: Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. So, um, so yeah, that and that... Therein and lies the whole beauty of tapering is you're reducing that fatigue. So as the w- days go by across the two weeks of the taper, you're going to be feeling fresher and fresher and fresher, and faster and faster and faster. And, faster. Mm-hmm. and these intervals are going to become like easier and easier and easier. And your heart rate will, you know, respond well initially slower, and then as you get really, as soon as your like autonomic nervous system is really primed, like the, by the time you're the day before the race, it's quite possible that it'll, your heart rate might rev really quickly because you're so fresh and mm-hmm. ready, ready to go. And that that's, or nervous, or nervous right.
0: <laughs> that's usually my problem.
1: Right. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's the, the general structure. And then, you know, so to talk about the workout specifically, we've talked about, I think you mentioned like you did your four by workout the other day. So our four by workout is exactly that's four intervals at, these one eighth durations of the energy system power demands. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you so in your case when you did the four by the other day, you did four times four minutes at your 32 minute power. And you hit that. And that's still actually moderately challenging. But relative it to was, training yeah. when you're doing right. four by eight, it's not, you know. And then you recovered a little bit and then you did you tackled the next energy system higher up on the chain, which is VO2 max we target our uh, 16-minute power for the low end of VO2 max. So the intervals are, for 4 buys, 4 times 2 minutes at your 16-minute power. Again, pretty high power, but relatively short durations, Mm -hmm. you know, achievable. Then it's moving on to the top end of VO2 max, which is our 8-minute power. So you're going to do 4 times 1 minute at your 8-minute power. And then 4 times... 30 seconds at your four minute power which is like the the low end of your anaerobic capacity your anaerobic power and then four times 30 seconds at your two minute power and then four Wait, times.
0: Four, you just said four oh. by four by 15 at your two minute power. yeah and and then finally
1: four <laughs> little short eight second intervals yeah, at your little sprints basically uh, one minute power yeah little sh- short controlled sprints so moving through that system, that's that four by. So that would be the first taper workout that you would do. If you if your last big workout was say Sunday, um, and you have two weeks till racing, you know this workout might fall on a Wednesday possibly, mm-hmm. um, and then a few days later you'd be ready. Some easier, shorter riding in between. A few days later, then you're ready for the three by. So it's the same exact pattern but instead of four by each of those intervals. You're just going to do three of each of those intervals, reducing that intensity volume while maintaining the intensity. Mm -hmm. Then a few more easy recovery days. Then you're ready for the two by two of each of those, right? Again, reducing a couple more easy days, maybe even a rest day, two days out from your race. And then the day before your race, you do the final race prep workout, which is just one by. So you're going to do one each of
0: Mm-hmm. the four
1: minute the two minute the one minute the 30 second 15 second eight second interval
0: And really that last one by workout is an hour hour and 15 minutes yeah hour
1: tops usually yeah.
0: yeah i mean 50 hour 15 if you're just like writing to a place to do it but you're keeping it short and sweet um it should feel i, no, I was gonna say it should feel good but i will say that often i feel kind of crap the day before race and I've just sort of accepted that about my body mm. and I say mm-hmm. to myself it's totally fine this is normal for you Kathy you're gonna like cr- crush it the next day yeah so just a little thing out there for people in case you off also feel that way don't,
1: yeah don't get don't, don't, out. don't yeah. get
0: psyched out it doesn't mean that the taper was for not the training was for nothing either like yeah it could just be how your body is like you've rested two days before the race then you're probably really nervous and you're out there doing that one-by and I think almost like mentally it can mess with your head. But if you feel poorly in that one-by workout, do not let it bother you. You're going to crush the race.
1: Right. And that one-by workout is that day before the race. Also, a lot of people call these opener workouts Mm -hmm. or they're Mm going to do their openers. This is the same concept. Um, Different people have different ways to do it, but that's how we do ours is the four-minute, two-minute, one-minute, 30-second. 15 second and eight second um intervals and ideally on the course if -hmm. if that's an option is a great way to do it um but yeah that's kind of our that's it peaking you know race prep uh progression in into your a race and if the if you do the recovery workouts correctly in between you're gonna see you know a decline in your ctl um should be relatively short because we have maintained a, a decent amount of training, but enough to allow adequate rest. That fatigue level should go way down, and that yellow TSB line, which is the one that indicates readiness to perform peak performance, should go way up. And it should go over that two weeks from maybe a negative number up to a positive you know, 15, 20, 25, maybe, something like oh, that. Oh, right.
0: That's what you said for Leadville, like you like to get it to 15 or 20, don't
1: you? Uh, even like 25, Ooh, that'd be potentially, good. yeah. Okay. I mean, for you want to be fresh. For, In my opinion, the longer the race, the more of that TSP okay. you want. Because... I'll have to go
0: check. I, I, that's not a number I look at very frequently. Mm-hmm. Like I've gotten really in tune with my CTL numbers, but mm-hmm. I'm going to see where I am. I don't even know.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good one just to kind of keep an eye on. And an interesting thing too is like person to person is the more this data you collect from season to season and between race to race, you can start to identify patterns and mm-hmm. numbers. Like I have a pretty good idea of like what I want to see, um, and uh, actually, we'll talk about that here momentarily. But um, do we cover everything? I feel there? like
0: we did. Yeah, it's. It, it, the... Honestly, it's not that complicated in our format because we like to keep workouts simple. So it, it's the same concept of training each energy system, mm-hmm. but you're just reducing um, the length you hold each interval, and then as the as the days get closer to the race, the number of total sets you do. Right. And- there's like for me there's comfort in it like having that pattern that i don't have to really think about it's not like a oh what did my coach describe like what kind of like fancy workout is today But it's like the same idea and i i like that i mean it's routine it's one less thing to stress about there's already enough things to stress about as you get closer to race yeah um like today i'm gonna go tackle the three by workout on the winter park race course um maybe i'll just do two i'm just gonna see how i feel i've said sort of a Tiring week. I don't, I'm not quite recovered yet from Silver Rush. And, mm-hmm. But like I don't have to think about anything besides will I do two or three laps of the course because I know how to do these intervals. Right. So that's comforting. Um, but if, if people have questions, reach out. Um, I know this can be hard for some people to taper. <laughs> it isn't it is in your best interest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just reach out for your questions. And if you are in our Leadville race prep program, you are going to be seeing these workouts coming up pretty soon.
1: Yeah. In those final two weeks before Leadville.
0: So. Well, speaking of Leadville, yes. like, I know you want to talk about this. This is sort of like we've mentioned many times that this has been a weird training block for us. Like Ever since we left Arkansas, not Arkansas, Arizona yeah. in April, we Spring just struggled yeah. with consistency due to our interesting life of traveling and, and coaching and racing with the redevelopment team. So mm-hmm. you had almost decided not to race Leadville because we have to take or we get to take our daughter, Sophia, and another writer, Toby to two World Cups following this Winter Park mm-hmm. National Championship race. But you've decided, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. But like, yeah. let's talk about it. What do you want to tell everyone?
1: Yeah, so for the last several weeks, I've been him and Han over, like, should I do Leadville or not? Um, I mean, my training has clearly been greatly compromised this year. I wouldn't change our life decisions because of it by any means. We've had a great... Experience with our team traveling around and racing, but it definitely ha- has left a big impact on mm-hmm. my own personal training for what that's worth. So, <laughs> yeah, so for a few weeks ago, it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do Leadville um, right. because I have too much respect for the race and I, I think it would be really hard to do it not in the best shape I could possibly get in and all well, that Especially
0: sort of because last year you had like this insanely peak performance right last
1: year couldn't have gone any better in terms training yeah and race execution so it was great and then you know i've been lucky enough this year to be a part of the leadville 100 podcast um with uh hottie and and fatty if you haven't heard of that (laughs) podcast and you're into leadville check it out it's a good one i'll put a link in the show notes uh, but I've been a guest coach on their um, show a couple of times this year. And every time I get together talking with them, it just gets me, like, re-excited about...
0: Yeah, you get jazzed. Because I really lo-
1: I love Leadville. I love racing Leadville. It's just kind of like something about it is really special. I mean, a lot of people out there know what I'm talking about. You get kind of sucked into it, and, um, you know, it's it's a fun event. So then going to Silver Rush, it was like, okay, I'll just do Silver Rush just to do it as part of training and then we'll just do cross country nationals because we'll be there with our team anyway and we race early in the week and then we can focus on the rest of the week with the riders and and be done and then it was like okay i qualified should i do this or not we went through back and forth for like two days because i there's like a time limit on when you accept your spot you know by your entry or not and should i do this should i not and you know, it all boiled down to what became really tricky, like you mentioned, is we're going to be going, so we're in Winter Park this week with the races. That'll be fairly stressful, fun, but stressful, right? Dealing with all that. And then right after that, we go immediately to West Virginia for a World Cup for a week with two of our riders. And then right after that, we go to Quebec, Canada for a week for a World Cup. And initially it was like, I don't want to bring my bike and have to train. I just want to like enjoy the trip, help you know, be there for our riders, blah blah blah. Um, and not have to do deal with that. But now I've decided we're gonna I'm gonna do Leadville again.
0: <laughs> well you can say we are because it's, yeah. it's a team effort. Right, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna
1: do Leadville again. Um because it is such a great race. It's
0: such a great race and you I think you finally came down to this idea that you were okay, no well you knew you know that you could not get six forty six this year yeah. based on how you've trained and
1: deep down even if i could train as perfectly as possible again
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's just as highly likely i could match highly or unlikely highly unlikely that i could match or beat the 646 right. i think that was my peak performance for <laughs> it's all downhill from
0: here <laughs> sadly
1: it's all downhill from here
0: but you decided that there was more to it for you like number one you just love leadville yeah and then number two you were kind of a data geek and you've you've put a twist on it you took, mm-hmm. put a spit on it that this is going to be a really interesting kind of like data comparison situation yeah an so an an why don't you run through that because i think that's you know for the data nerds out there um it is rather interesting to crunch the numbers
1: yeah so i'm thinking of it as like this opportunity to compare and contrast the perfect season mm-hmm. in terms of like a perfect training build up a perfect amount of time spent at altitude a perfect race execution, right? High level of fitness, all that kind of stuff last year, 2021. And then compare that to this year, which has been an imperfect training season, um, you know, just filled with, you know, various interruptions and work travel and other commitments in life that maybe were more important at the time and all that sort of thing. So many of our listeners are probably in a similar boat of like, Bike racing isn't their job and they have a family and they have a job and they, you know, Leadville's maybe third or fourth in line of priorities and kind of how to make the most of that. So I just thought it was like a interesting opportunity to go from like a perfect season to this less than perfect season and see what the difference actually translates to on race day in terms of how do I feel and how do I perform. Right. sense. Yeah. Why don't
0: you, you dig into some of the numbers, and then
1: we'll kind of summarize at the end. Yeah. So for the the number nerds out there, number uh, nerds, we'll where geek are you? out a little bit. So I, I dug through my training peaks from last year, kind of starting May first up through the race, and then dug through training peaks May first this year up through current, uh, being we're about three, four, th- four weeks out from the race, I think as as of this recording, and looking at um, the numbers. So. For those that are familiar with these numbers, so CTL chronic training load—that's the fitness line um, in Training Peaks, the blue line. Last year, I got up to 113 CTL, and that was exactly two weeks before the race, before I would start my taper, like we just talked about. Um, Comparing that to this year, 2022, assuming the next three weeks—well, okay—to put in perspective, this. As we speak, this coming up week is Nationals week. I won't do a lot of training because I'll be doing the race and then um, helping our team with all that kind of stuff, coaching the team here in Winter Park. (laughs) Then I'll have two weeks of – then it's three weeks till Leadville. I'm going to utilize – I'm going to kind of have to go off of my uh, ideal – well, I'm kind of getting in the weeds here. So I'm going to have one really good week (laughs) of training. Yeah. And then another week starting, kind of combining some training and some tapering.
0: Okay, like a hybrid week. A little
1: bit of a hybrid. i got to be flexible here, right? Because this coming week isn't going to be particularly challenging from a training standpoint. So I have to be a little flexible. So I have two weeks of training plotted out um, in, in those final three weeks going up to Leadville. But the race week obviously becomes a taper. So, if I can do what I have planned, and we're going to be traveling a lot, I'm going to be riding in foreign territory to me that I've never ridden. So, I got to figure out where I can do these rides and these Mm -hmm. intervals and things. Which is challenging. That that is definitely one of the challenges. If I can do what's planned, I'll hit a CTL of 95,
0: which is almost 20 points lower than what you earned or what you achieved last year.
1: Right. It's 18 CTL points lower as a peak CTL um, compared to last year. That's 16%. So okay. not actually that bad. Now compare that then with the taper I have. And this taper will be a little bit little bit shorter um, because I just need to get a couple more of those longer rides built in um, to be able to do it. Uh, CTL on race day last year was mm-hmm. 108. So I went from oh, 113 gotcha, peak gotcha. across the yep. taper went down to 108. Mm -hmm. That gave me a TSB of plus 26.
0: That's your form.
1: That was the form. So obviously that was like really pretty much perfect. Like I had a great race that demonstrated that and the numbers kind of lined up and and showed that as well. Okay. So this year, if I hit all the workouts as planned, which again, that in, in and of itself will be challenging. I'll go from 95 peak down to 85 mm-hmm. compared to last year's 108 on race day, mm-hmm. so that's 23 CTL points lower on race day, um, and I'll get a TSB up to 20 versus plus 20 versus plus 26. Okay, so not too bad there. And I had to finagle this. I actually plotted out like my training over the next. Four weeks
0: oh, gosh you were really geeking out up here in winter park by yourself yeah weren't to, you?
1: to well to try to get it because my <laughs> well my first thought was okay we're, we're traveling i'm gonna go yeah t- two really big weeks of training and then have one week to, of race week to like deload and taper well i'd get all the big training but then my tsb only would get to like plus five
0: yeah that's not enough
1: so i was doing too much too close to the race so maybe i'd be quote fit i'd have a little higher ctl number but the trade-off is this lo- this yeah. lower TSB number. But I'm banking on the fact that I have over two decades of training in my legs that
0: mm-hmm. I have
1: that residual endurance. So packing in two big weeks of training maybe isn't as important as making sure I'm well rested and recovered and getting Especially that TSB. Especially
0: because you're in your 40s now.
1: And I'm in my mid-40s now, Yeah. yeah. So
0: I was wise, my friend. Yeah,
1: so the so I've finagled it and it's a really cool feature on training peaks. Like I literally went in and plotted the workouts, dragged and dropped them in the week to see how it affected mm-hmm. what my TSB would be on race day, and kind of landed on what I thought was the best combination. They gave me enough of the endurance rides, but enough of the recovery okay. to peak. Okay. Alright, then some other comparisons. So last year from May up to the race, and this year from May up to now, weekly TSS last year. I was averaging 761, which is a pretty good amount. Um, this year, 579 is the difference. That's a 24% reduction in average weekly TSS mm-hmm. um, through this summer, basically. So clearly, I haven't been able to train as much. That is why CTL is lower. Fitness okay. is, is unarguably lower. Some other comparisons, weekly elevation across that same time span. I was averaging last year 21,440 feet of climbing each week. Hmm. This year, 13,066.
0: That's a big difference.
1: Yeah, that's a 39% reduction.
0: Holy moly. That's the biggest number that's jumped out.
1: Yeah, that's the biggest reduction if you're going to compare everything. Um, And that's because we were traveling so much. And a lot of the traveling was like across the Midwest There weren't really very many big climbs. No. Um, I have gotten a moderate amount of climbing in the last couple weeks, which probably really brought it up. Had I not done that, it would be even probably like 10,000 a week or something. So big drop there. Uh, Duration or hours riding per week. Last year, May up to the race, I averaged 16 hours and fifty nine minutes a week. So that's 17 hours a week. That's pretty,
0: buddy. You could have just rounded up to seventeen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and comparing that to this year, May up to about now, averaging twelve hours and eleven minutes okay. of riding a week, so that's a thirty percent reduction in okay. time on the bike. Now, I contribute a lot of this to. This is the first year where I've just decided to accept, like taking days off.
0: Mm-hmm. In
1: years past, even you know, last year. I rarely took a day off. Like I just liked having a recovery ride, if nothing else. Yeah, you
0: did. That's right.
1: So I do like a strength session and then a recovery ride. Because that's how I have, the last 20 years, done training. Is like, Oh, I
0: thought it was just because you wanted a coffee and a pastry. Well, that's
1: part of it, the okay. recovery ride. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but cappuccino prices are through the roof right now with everything else. It's like, I can't have my coffee rides. <laughs> and I can make coffee just as good at, at home with the Rocket. No, but all joking aside, I've just come to... The fact that like now I'm in my mid 40s, these recovery rides are really kind of pointless, and I should just take the day off. Okay, you know, um, I'm not get, gaining anything from these recovery rides, and the day off I think actually carries more value. So I've been having one to two days off the bike completely, and so that's one of the reasons why the volume okay. has dropped. You know, from 17 hours a week to 12 hours a week this year.
0: So it's not necessarily that the quality has decreased as significantly as the numbers show is that the quantity, because you're cutting out some of the, the junk miles.
1: Potentially. Yeah, that's some of Well, it.
0: that's what we're banking on, right? Right. That's what we're banking on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
1: And then a few other comparisons. So longest ride leading up to Leadville last year, uh, 127 miles. It was like seven and a half-ish hours, 11,000 feet of climbing. It was like 330 TSS. Longest ride so far this year, which was actually a few days ago, um, was 85 miles in about six hours, 240 TSS, about 7,000 feet of climbing. Okay. So pretty significant reduction there. I do have a ride planned in the coming weeks when we're in West Virginia, hopefully of around seven. Actually, it'll be in Quebec about seven hours, and that'll probably be over 100 miles, plus or minus, and like a 320, 350 TSS ride. So I, hopefully I'll get, I I want to get that one really big, long ride in okay. um, about 12 days before the race. Um, biggest week last year training was 26 hours, and I believe that was three weeks out from the race, if I remember right, uh, 1,100 TSS, 35,000 feet of climbing, so super solid. Week, biggest week so far, this summer has been 18 hours, so still a decent week for sure, 843 T- TSS and 22,000 feet of climbing. Um But that was probably more like an average week for me last year. Mm. That's the interesting thing. My biggest week this year was pretty darn close to my average last year. which I mean, that's pretty wild. I do have a planned week of 21 hours, 1,000 TSS, and hopefully over 20,000 feet of climbing. And that'll be when we're in West Virginia.
0: Okay. I guess I'm taking some books.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then lastly... Days or nights, I should say, at altitude, the changes there. So last year, I was lucky enough to spend a lot of days at altitude, whether it be in Winter Park or Leadville. 48 nights um, at altitude compared to this year, including the upcoming week where we'll be at Winter Park, which is about 9,000 feet. I'll have uh, 32 nights at altitude, which is a good amount, but that's still 34% Mm -hmm. fewer nights at altitude for that adaptation so all those numbers together, um, you know, as a rough average, I'm looking at it as like I'm about 30% less fit going mm. into the race. Or prepared. or Yeah, 30% less prepared potentially okay. going into the race. Now, does that equate to 30% reduction in race time? We did the math, hopefully Yeah, I correctly. don't think
0: it will, which is <laughs> going to be the the fun part. To yeah, that would be afterwards.
1: taking a 6.46 finish last year. And that would put me basically an eight hour forty five minutes, so it's like two hours slower. I yeah. don't think that will be the scenario.
0: No, I don't think you're going to be thirty percent slower. So um, that's the fascinating math equation. Right. And so that's
1: the interesting thing here. What do you is, What do
0: you think you might be?
1: Well, I've been giving a lot of thought. I think if I have a great day. Finishing around the seven and a half hour mark, okay. I think I'd be really thrilled with that. Okay. Um, my Leadville history has been seven hundred one, seven eleven, and six forty six.
0: Mm-hmm. So if I did
1: seven and a half ish, I think I would be really. That would be an amazing day with the okay. fitness that I have showing up on race day. But I don't think eight hours is out of the question if things, if I kind of just struggle a little bit, because okay. the okay. big thing is going to be that lack of uh, elevation gain, I think like, like the muscular endurance of climbing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just those like weekly TSS differences, um, you know, of 24% less TSS.
0: Yeah. We were talking about this before we hit record. And I noticed that myself at Silver Rush that, uh, I was good for a while (laughs) that I wasn't. So like the first big climb, I, I would look down at my Wahoo, and many times it was like 190 watts, 200, 180. I was like hovering around 190. Mm-hmm. And and I, I was holding back. I, I felt really good at first. Mm-hmm. And then that last big climb, I don't even know the name of the, the trails up there, but you're basically on a road, and you feel like you're, you're never going to hit the, the downhill that goes under the power line. Yeah, And I looked down. Often and it was 120 to 150 watts. Mm. I, I just run out of steam. I could right. barely turn the pedals pedals over.
1: Yeah, and I think it's an issue of the muscular endurance. Yeah, of like the steep, hard climbing combined with elevation. And, sure, and, that, and it was hot. Um, that really lowers like your ability to put out power. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, to compare it to Silver Rush, I actually felt really good or just I guess comfortable all day, mm-hmm. like comfortably hard all day. Um, I was never like quote unquote suffering because I didn't feel like I had the fitness to like push to the point of like suffering. Like I couldn't get the power up. Um, but honestly, if I feel that way on across seven plus hours at Leadville, that's when I could be in that seven and a half to eight hour range. I think okay. pretty pretty well. I think to, if I if I push too hard too early, and this is probably true for anybody, it's poor pacing. You're I have that. Potential to kind of like really blow up and, and struggle and suffer on the way back.
0: Right, right.
1: And that could lead to the eight plus hour.
0: Right, yeah. And I'm now analyzing my own Silver Rush experience wishing that I had gone slower at the beginning. Right. It just, it just seems so easy. But I had if you have two girls past you in the second half, you didn't pace very well. right? <laughs>
1: so, and pacing is the damn name. Damn it. Fueling and pacing is the name of the game. I know I've got the fueling down, Pat, yeah. so I don't, I'm not worried about bonking or anything. It's going to be about... The challenging part will be, just like running a marathon, everyone starts a marathon way too hard, mm-hmm. because they feel great, and maybe it's slightly downhill or whatever, and then they pay for it in those final six miles. This well, is the same thing for where... For sure. I'm used to being up with those guys. That's what
0: I think is going to be the biggest challenge. I'm going to have to be
1: like, let those guys go, I'm going to be here, which yeah. is still good, and be comfortable for majority of the race, and then hopefully the last two hours, of. I'm still feeling good. Then I can kind of like push nice. myself, hopefully nice. a little bit.
0: So well, we will see. So we I, the grand I, I,
1: experiment. The grand
0: experiment. <laughs> but you wanted to lay this out before lead what happens, so you don't sound like that person who's like, "Well, I wasn't in shape, and that's why I got eight hours." Like you know, you're not in as right. Good I'm going in knowing
1: now. I'm behind the curve here.
0: Right. So we'll see what happens. But
1: I'm going to go f- do the best I can. And, okay. You know, and the tricky part is just going to be the upcoming traveling you know mm-hmm. this week with nationals i like i said i'm not going to get much in and then traveling is like hit or miss if it works out well and how much additional stress um just from actual riding on an airplane i mean it's fatiguing right mm-hmm. driving to places you don't know staying in condos or whatever you're not familiar with eating food you're not maybe wanting exactly you know all those things that were so perfect for me last year are going to be Completely out the window, right? And we'll be at sea level f- for the whole week prior to the race, mm-hmm. you know, the, the things like that. But it's like, boohoo. A lot of people have to deal with these sort of
0: situations. Oh no, I don't. I don't so. hear it as boohoo. I just right. think it's really interesting, like just laying the factors out, and we're yeah. gonna then
1: what does it translate? Yeah, to?
0: what are we gonna then analyze the data and see how it all turned out?
1: Right. So then you can look forward to a more whole num- discussion of
0: more number nerds. How
1: well or not well it went. So. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, let's wrap it up and just say that we appreciate people listening. Yeah. Um, that, you know, check us out on our different social media platforms and let us know how we're doing. And we always do appreciate you sharing your podcast with your cycling friends. Um, if you have questions, send us emails at cody at teamweight.com and, or kathy at com. Yep. And it's cody with the C, kathy with the K. Um, and then we'll talk to you soon. Do you want to say
1: anything else? Uh, but well, one last thing, if we have any young riders listening or parents of young riders, our redevelopment development program applications for the 2023 season will be available Monday, the 25th on our website. Okay. So if you are interested, um, or have a young person in your life that is interested in taking their cross country mountain bike racing to a very high level in 2023, have them fill out that application and send it in to us and we got a lot of really cool, exciting things that we're building upon into next year and um, excited for that, too. So. Well, on
0: that note, this is a very exciting event. Like, I think big names are coming to the championship race. I've heard Kate Courtney is coming. Yeah. Um, Chris Blevins, Chris probably. Chris I'm yeah. sure. I hope, hope he does. We will have a team tent down in the vendor area. Cody and I will be running around, look for Cody in his cowboy hat with his feed bandana around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just like always a crazy person running around, usually up on the mountain <laughs> during the races because um, I prefer to be up there cheering. But find us and say hello and introduce yourself. And yeah. we love that. Absolutely. All right. Well, then have a great day. and We'll
1: um, talk to you next week. Time.
0: And we'll talk to you soon.
1: Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans.
0: Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling-based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season.
1: We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling specific strength training and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing and everything in between.
0: Consider our training plan subscription service where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression.
1: Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community. You're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster
0: cyclist.